In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I'm pretty well convinced that the journey of life on this earth certainly is a journey toward God. Uh, so it is inherently a spiritual life, whether we are actively participating in it or not, it is a spiritual life for every single one of us. We are spiritual beings. And that as a spiritual life, it images all of salvation history from the Old to the New Testament. And I'll explain what I mean by that. What is the story of the Old Testament leading into the New Testament? In very, very short summary, it is a story of God raising his people, of God forming his people, of God leading his people out of idolatry and into true worship of the true God. So that what we see from the beginning, Adam and Eve uh, fall into sin, and then humanity immediately starts to idolize, starts to idolize things. And that's what happens with humanity as the centuries go on until God begins to speak with his people. And what he says to his people is basically turn away from idols and turn to me, the true God. And humanity fails and there's this kind of dialectic you know, throughout the whole Old Testament until we finally get to the New Testament where Jesus comes and he speaks as God to the people and teaches them the things that we read da you know, daily or every Sunday in the Gospels. This is a huge, you know, the personal life of every believer is a, is a microcosm of the larger picture. The larger picture is what I just described, and the personal picture is a mirror of that. Every single one of us, I'm convinced, is on a journey the way God is on a journey with his people in the Old Testament, uh, through going into the New Testament. That means every single one of us is being led by God from idolatry into the true worship of the true God. And what exactly does that look like? Well, first of all, what is idolatry? We think idolatry is the worship of something other than God himself. That's just a short summary of it. And the reason why people would do that is because of a mental or emotional mistake that they make. That is that uh, we idolize something that we mistake for God. Whenever we think that something other than God can be the ultimate fulfillment of our hearts, and that's many things. That could be another human person. That could be an object. That could be money. That could be a career. That could be social status. That could be emotional support. That could be uh, a great self-esteem. I mean, it could be anything that we want it to be. Anything other than God. The thought that anything other than God can take the place of God and fulfill our hearts as designed by Him is idolatry. Idolatry is not restricted to what it was in ancient times, which is the worship of Jupiter and Mars and, and Marduk and all these uh, ancient pagan gods. Those are just expressions, different expressions of the same things that we kind of do today. The spiritual life then, for every human being, is a journey from idolatry to the worship of the true God. Now what we do today is not what people did in ancient times, and I mean we as in Catholics as well, what we do today is not what we used to do in ancient times, which is superstitious in nature, worshiping pagan gods, which sounds ridiculous to us now. We worship other things now. 
Uh, among them, social media, among them, technology and TV, among them, money, among them, many other things that I mentioned earlier. But we worship other things as well. In the Gospel reading today, the Pharisees begin to criticize Jesus for the behavior of his disciples. And that behavior is, well, they're eating without having washed their hands first. And the Pharisees had this tradition, uh, and by tradition, therefore, a law, and therefore, a divine law, according to them, that it's basically a sin. It's an offense against God if we don't wash our hands before we eat. Now, that's disgusting, but it's not breaking a divine command. The Pharisees saw it as breaking a divine command, and so started to criticize Jesus and his disciples for having broken what they thought was a divine thing. And Jesus doesn't even, not for a second, doesn't even entertain this idea. It's such a ridiculous thing even to waste your time thinking about, that it's somehow an offense against God, a sin, not to wash your hands before you eat. Jesus doesn't even entertain it whatsoever. He just goes and he uh, reads, he quotes from the prophet Isaiah, who was speaking to the Israelites because they were constantly breaking the laws of God. They were constantly falling into idolatry. And the quote is this. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. And then he goes and gives examples about how exactly they do that. How is it that the Pharisees uh, break the commandment of God in order to keep their own personal traditions? Well, they were obsessive over washing uh, vessels of bronze and these kinds of things. Over cleanliness, washing hands before you eat and stuff like that. Over cleanliness, they were obsessive, so obsessive over it that it became an idol. It became a god for them. But Jesus redirects everything to one thing. And I love that, the way he does it. By quoting this passage from the prophet Isaiah, Jesus is centering everything for the human person in the heart. And he does that in many, many other places in the gospel. In fact, it's this kind of modus operandi. It's the way he does things. He centers everything constantly, goes back to the human heart. Where is your heart? That's what's going to define you. If your heart is in cleanliness, then yes, of course, washing your hands before you eat is going to be the most important thing. Washing your vessels properly is going to be the most important thing. That's going to be your God. If that's where your heart is, there is your God. If your heart is in money, probably you'll make a lot of money. But money becomes your God. If your heart is in a relationship, Probably you'll form good relationships, you'll know how to be a good partner or whatever. But that relationship becomes your God. What's the problem with that? Everything that we believe about God, whatever we believe about God permeates everything in our lives personally and socially. Just a quick example of this. The fact that abortion is even debated in the West today, in Europe and the United States and other countries. The fact that it's even on the table as something to entertain, something to talk about, 
something to dialogue about, think about. The fact that it's even there as a, as a thing for us to think about is indicative of the fact that we have strayed very far from God. And if we don't believe that, obviously, the abortion issue is not religious in nature, but it is godly in nature. Why? Because whatever we believe about God is going to tell us what we believe about human beings. And whatever we believe about human beings is going to cause us to act towards them in a certain way. And if we believe that a human being can be killed because it's an inconvenience to us, then neither do we believe in the dignity of the human person, nor do we believe in the God who gave the human person that dignity. And I'm just giving one example of how this can be applied everywhere, including in our own personal lives. If we believe that God is distant, then we can do things in secret that no one's going to see us doing, and maybe we can even escape the eyes of God. If we believe that God is not just or does not enact his justice, then we can commit all kinds of sins and do all kinds of evil things and just excuse ourselves presumptuously and say, well, God loves us and God will forgive me. It's not a big deal. Whatever we believe about God permeates every aspect of our personal lives and of our social lives. And that's why I'm going to give you this principle. It's annoying uh, to remember, but I hope you remember it. Orthopraxy is a Greek word that means right behavior or right practice, correct practice. Orthopraxy is correct practice. Orthopraxy comes from orthodoxy. Orthodoxy means right worship. Orthopraxy comes from orthodoxy. That means correct practice comes from correct worship. When we worship God correctly, then we will behave correctly as well. But an indication that we don't worship God correctly is when we, when we behave incorrectly or inappropriately. That's why there's this inherent, this kind of marriage between what we do and what we believe. But it's always about what we believe about God. And the way Jesus says this is he centers the whole thing on the heart. Wherever the heart is in relation to God, that's where all of our behavior is going to come from. And that's what he says at the end of this gospel reading. He says, Don't, it's not what comes into a man that defiles him. And that goes even as far as cleanliness. I mean, not being clean, cleanly, not being clean, is kind of a disgusting habit. But nevertheless, that doesn't mean that it's going to pollute our soul. It's not what comes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of a man. For out of a man, it's coming, it's coming out of the heart. What comes out of a man is what defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of man, come all these evil things, evil thoughts, fornication, licentiousness, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit. All these things come from the heart because it is in the heart where the relationship with God resides. And if it's a bad relationship, if it's not orthodoxy, but it's the opposite, heterodoxy, then we're going to behave badly as well. Brothers and sisters, what I said in the beginning about idolatry, the spiritual life is going from being idolatrous people from worshiping other gods to worshiping the one true God. And with that comes a formation of our behavior. 
because these two things are intrinsically linked to one another. Let us watch out for what, we, what our idols are. What we believe about God can be very, very askew. It can be really, really distorted. And when it's distorted, then we're going to act in a distorted way as well. So let's implant this kind of idea in our minds and understand it really well. That relationship between orthopraxy and orthodoxy, the relationship between our behavior and what we believe about God are so intrinsically united to one another that one reflects the other. And so whenever I'm committing a sin, whenever I'm behaving poorly, whenever I'm doing something that I know I shouldn't be doing, let me find out why that is. Let me find out where is it that I'm not worshiping God correctly? Am I not trusting in God enough? Do I not believe that God is good? Do I not believe that God loves me? What do I believe about what God thinks about me? What do I believe about what God thinks about my neighbor who I'm treating uh, in a certain way? What do I believe about what God thinks about the world whom I discern in a certain way? What do I believe about God and how does that reflect the way I'm behaving? And how does the way I'm behaving how is the way that I'm thinking, how is the way that I'm, I'm feeling about things reflect what I believe about God and therefore where can I correct these things? This is a good spiritual life. This is an active, dynamic spiritual life. One that reflects the whole trajectory of the Bible. This is what God does for his people in the Bible and this is what God does for every single one of us on a personal level. Let us be very discerning then about our behavior and about our beliefs and how these two things are related to one another so that we can, with the grace of God and reflection, correct these things as we live in this life. Go from being idolatrous people to people that worship the true, the one, and the only God. Amen. Amen.